everyone, welcome to uh, episode 94, Shooting Straight. They're kind of dark, couldn't think of anything else. Uh, as a bio notes, we're wrapping up a week that saw Donald Trump finally indicted and a mass shooter martyred by both the media and the White House. Um, <clears throat> there's not much to like set up. Um, it's kind of a long fucking week with a lot of nonsense uh, surrounding it. And you pretty much heard my thoughts on it. So I'm going to kind of just jump right into this. And uh, I already see <laughs> we have a, uh, a ton of people in the queue there. So like I said, I'm just going to jump right in. Doesn't need a lot of setup. A um, couple of ground rules for uh, either you regulars or you newbies. Um, if you're new here, feel free to jump in the queue. And you just do that by, you know, hitting that plus symbol or whatever. And uh, just a couple of things. If you're talking, please be sure to mute your microphone. If you're on the, if you are the caller and you're not speaking, uh, it just makes it easier for me to focus. It just makes it better uh, for the listeners as well as um, just a better recording. Uh, these are recorded. So uh, just keep that in mind. And uh, if you can also just make sure to keep it short, um, we do have quite a few people tonight or we will. Um, I'm going to try to get through as many as I can in probably about an hour, hour and 15, uh, but just try to keep it short. Uh, and so just try to keep people's attention and uh, we'll try to get through as many people here. It's also open topic AMA. You don't have to talk about um, the two big news events in our media this week, um, which I think were pretty transformative um, long-term, uh, stunningly short-sighted actions and behavior uh, on both of these things. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump in. Robert, if you can just kind of wait uh, a moment, I'm going to uh, move up Dan Thiemann who looks like uh, a first-timer. Matt, you're, go uh, you're live. Just be sure to... Uh... Phone. And you're free to go. Wait. Yeah, hey. Yep, you're there. Go ahead. All right, cool. Um, so I think both of these topics are super interesting. Um, but you've already covered a lot of ground on them. What I kind of wanted your thought on, and I know it's kind of Twittery, so I apologize, but, you know, I feel like I see... We're, we're, we're all a bit big right now, so that's okay. <laughs> well, fair enough, especially with the impending uh, April 1st. But, like, um, with... Uh, I, I, I feel like I'm seeing more and more accounts try and take on, like, the hardcore always Trump people, uh, Max Nordo and RBE are examples of that. And I feel like you sort of chime in from time to time because like they're just downright self-contradictory or just, um, kind of like irrational really. Um, but I wonder what's like the end game for engaging with that content and what kind of like, what's the back end of that audience? Like, are those people actually talking to people? Does anyone actually change their mind, or yeah. are they ever affected by an effort to intervene? Yeah. I'd, I mean, I'd be if, just curious for your thoughts on that. If you notice, and I've, I've talked about this in the podcast, if you notice, I don't interact with a lot of those accounts. And one of the reasons why is I just don't see a point in it. You're not, I mean, it, it's fine if you want to bring up old tweets or whatever and say, oh, here's what you thought. They don't care. <laughs> at the end of the day, they do not care. They are Trump supporters. Some of them, most of them are being paid uh, through PR by Trump. 
So they're paid to tweet this stuff out and seek his approval because they know he's either watching or he has people watching. And I think I'm just more cynical about the whole thing than I was in 2016 when I was at National Review and against Trump came out. Uh, I was pretty much the guy who ran point on Twitter because I've just I grew up in, you know, I grew up with Internet forums. I grew up with Anacool News. I grew up with Reddit. I grew up with 4chan. So I knew how to handle that stuff. And it doesn't really get to me. And one of the big accounts of that was Ricky Vaughn, who uh, it looks like he's going to spend some time in prison over uh, this voter fraud meme, if you call it or whatever. Um, And so I've gotten to the point where I'm not impressed with them. (laughs) Like, I really do feel like this is like Trump's D-League backbencher, Jordan Belfort wannabe army. They all look the same. They have the same slicked hair. And I said that this is basically where it was going to go long term. And the, the the main reason I don't interact, I'll, I'll retweet once in a while, but the main reason I don't interact is I just don't see a point. They don't care. They do not care if you dig up something, you know, an old tweet where they're praising Ron DeSantis or they're contradictory. It, it doesn't matter. And so as far as your thing about are they talking to an audience, I think that's an interesting question because I'm kind of on the fence about that. And part of me says that Trump himself is so isolated in a bubble of people like that telling him how great he is and what he wants to hear that he doesn't have anyone going you probably shouldn't have dinner with Nick Fuentes sir he's surrounded by a bunch of yes men and that's not good because he doesn't have a lot of people around him like I said he's uh, you know he's relying on information from people who are kind of not all they're not like the A team or the B team let me put it that way now that said Everybody made fun of Bill Mitchell in 2016, and I have a mug with the quote where he says, Trump doesn't need a ground game. His ground game is in our hearts. And Bill Mitchell was relentlessly mocked over that. And I, I love I loved the, the, the tweet that I had it printed on a mug because I, I was big into ground game at the time. I'd written about it and what was the GOP going to do to create a digital ground game that counters Hillary Clinton and Eric Schmidt at Google. And... It turned out the ground game was in everyone's heart. Trump didn't need a ground game. And so I'm relentless to take the cat turd poll, for instance. That's one that everyone was just kind of shitting on and mocking. And I admit that I think it's funny, too, that Trump is citing that poll because that's what he does. And I didn't I just stayed out of that. I'm like, I'm not getting involved in this shit because I've been through this before. I I don't think anybody knows anything until there's a primary vote. And that's kind of where I'm at. So I, you're right. I do see accounts that I'm friends with or friendly with or that I like. Uh, I've known AG for a while on Twitter, like maybe like 10 years now. Um, uh, RB, RB Pundit doesn't follow me anymore, but whatever. Um, but some of those people, I kind of just want to put my hand on their shoulder and say, guys, you're hitting your head up against a brick wall. Stop it. It doesn't matter. They don't care. You can find all the contradictory statements, tweets, behavior, whatever. They don't care. Their only goal, and I truly believe that they think this, they think that they're angling for a cabinet position in in a United States presidential administration. Um, And that is funny to me, but it's also kind of frightening. And that's, I think, the problem with Trump as a second term is I don't know 
if he wins, who he brings on board. I don't know who's left beyond maybe somebody like Nikki Haley as his VP or, but Carrie Lake could be a VP. It could be Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, and I think that that should be a genuine concern with him should he win again. So I, I get that it's a Twitter thing, but I, I think a lot of these people exist in information bubbles that they've created and it's great. And I also think that they look at it as a game. And I think I'm just a little bit wiser to the point to where uh, I'm just kind of, there's no point in doing it. So I'll retweet when there's a good point. I'll retweet when there's good information. But as far as me getting in there and mucking it up, I had one instance with Alex Bruschwitz, whatever. And uh, what's funny, he turned me into a drag queen with makeup that made me look even hotter. So I'm kind of like, you lost that one and I don't really have a point to prove with you. As it gets closer to primaries and stuff and their behavior gets more erratic, that's kind of what I'm like. I'm like, I'm not going to expend my energy on this. I think they're bigger. Great. Thanks a lot. That's all I had. Great, Dan. Uh, it's good to see. I'll go ahead and boot you, so don't worry about it. Uh, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to bring Brady up because uh, I think I think Brady's made the last two. Last two. Kick him off. Uh, off. is the last two. So, but Brady. I like to call them Donald worshippers is my favorite term for like Trumpers or people who have reverse uh, Trump derangement syndrome yeah. as it would be. Yeah, they're just paid by them. I mean, Bruschewitz's PR firm is paid. Um, I've I've heard stories about him in D.C. that, you know, will just make you roll your eyes. And that's that's why I compare them to like the Jenny, you know, the Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street, sell me this pen, that that's who these guys are. And so I think that they're trying to squeeze that orange, pardon the pun, uh, for the few <laughs> years, for the couple of years that he still has. And I think that's. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, man. Uh, the TikTok ban, I guess it, it, it passed the, or it's going to the bill or it passed, it went to the bill. What's going on? It's still being voted on. Still being voted on. Uh, Rand Paul came out and said he would not support. There's confusion about what's in it as far as the Restrict Act and. Um, I, I'm reading a lot about both sides of this, the libertarian, you know, there's supposedly provisions in this that, um, aren't just dealing with TikTok, um, that I think are concerning. And of course, Josh Hawley's bill wrote it. So Josh Hawley, of course, is throwing things in there that, you know, restrict phone usage for anyone under 12 or, or so, you know, something like that. And I think that that's a problem. Um, I think if there was a bill and TikTok, like that's the bill be four fucking pages long you can just you can put who sponsors it you can do the whole you know the you can do the stamp on it you can do all the pretty fonts and uh the the, the times new roman gothic font and, and it literally just has to be one line build a band tiktok hr whatever number build a band tiktok and nothing else and i think that would probably pass whether joe biden would sign it i don't know i don't i don't think it's going to pass um I know, like I said, Rand Paul kind of stood up and he said he has free speech concerns with this. I don't view a TikTok ban as a First Amendment issue. Um, we don't have a First Amendment right to use an application from a hostile foreign agent. Um, those countries ban apps all the time. And so uh, I don't view it as a First Amendment issue. Uh, I view it as a national security issue. And, of course, Democrats are you know, worried about the teens and so they don't want to see it go, but they'd move on to something else and you can create a, you know, a domestic version of it. So 
I'm not a fan of Josh Holly. I never have been because he always kind of overreaches on things like this. So I think it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't think it will pass, but we'll see. Yeah, I heard there was a 20-year minimum for using a VPN to access banned apps. And I was like, whoa. So what I'm hoping is that this is a ma- such a massive overreach on their part that it triggers a response from the soft, you know, the citizens who are interested in their, their freedoms and I'll pass the joint, but, um, yeah, I just encourage everyone to raise as much hell as they can about that because man, I, I don't like where we're headed. It's a scary situation. I, I'd, I'd rather almost not be alive than in a situation like that <laughs> in a retire. Let's, let's pump the brakes. A little let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit on that one. Um, but point, and like I said, I do think that People should read it and come to their conclusions. I'm seeing arguments on both sides, um, but that's who Josh Hawley is. That's kind of like you said, this is a guy who ever since he came in, he's talked about, you know, big tech. And I think some of his concerns are valid, but for the most part, the kind of moralizing over things. TikTok to me shouldn't be banned because of its content, although you can argue that its content is fucking poisoning two generations and creating just an entire generation of narcissists. Um, but I think that that's up to personal usage and it's up to personal parents. I want it banned because it is a spyware tool of the CCP Chinese government. And there are far too many sensitive industries and people using it. And I think that that's an issue. Uh, looks like we lost a ton of people. So that's going good. Uh, Robert, go ahead. I, le- I leapfrogged you there. Oh, all good. Uh, thanks for having me, Stephen. And I'm sorry I missed out uh, at the very last second uh, when uh, when John was with you because I wanted to tell y'all about my favorite episode of the Conservatarians, 1001 Canadian Nights, uh, with the uh, Justin Trudeau blackface scandal. Uh, that Al Molson joke, uh, makes me crack up every time. Yeah, it's, it's telling, and the thing with Trudeau and the blackface, I mean, it's, it's telling who is allowed grace. And I don't even want to say in our society, cause he's a Canadian trader, but it, 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 it's, if you have the right politics, you're, you're fine. You get out of this. And that's how it was with Ralph Northam and, Ralph Northam was one of those canary in the coal mines about where politics were going uh, as far as people like Trump or what have you. It's just never, never resign, never apologize, never say you're sorry. Just get through it. Our news media now moves it, you know, you know, 100 miles per hour every day because it's run by social media and it's run by short attention spans. And you can basically withstand anything. And that's what happened. And that's kind of the thing with Trudeau is funny because he came out and was like it was just one thing. And then video surfaced of him like completely blacked up in like grease paint. And then it was like another instance. And it was like, dude, is this a fetish? Like, what are you doing? And he was basically allowed to skirt past that because he's Justin Trudeau and he has the right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, uh, I just, uh, you know, that, that episode of the conservatarians is definitely the one that, won me over uh, uh, to both of y'all, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I do enjoy the, uh, pardon the pun, dark sense of humor. Um, 
speaking of dark sense of humor, um, quick music question for you tonight. Uh, given just the mix of uh, gallows humor coupled with despair, uh, what song would you uh, choose to play for such an occasion? Uh, and I'll I'll tell you mine while uh, you think of one. Uh, that song would be Honey Screw, and uh, I, I believe you know which band uh, I will be uh, uh, saying that uh, plays that song. But uh, yeah, that's the song that I would uh, would uh, take with me, uh, you know, uh, after a week like this. I don't know if I have a particular song, but I'd probably be listening to a lot of Interpol. <laughs> a lot of dark. I'd probably be listening to a lot of black gays, too. Like, you know, a lot of Death Heaven and Desmond Doom. And, um, I, I, you know, I said to John last week, I'm, I'm kind of really big right now into, into outlaw country, uh, which is outlaw western. It's not like country. Um, I'm, I'm exploring that genre a bit more. Um, but uh, if if I'm like choosing a dark kind of band that's representative of my mood, I don't know if it would be a song, but like Interpol comes to mind and some of this other stuff. And of course, we had this dumb controversy with Meg White and White Stripes. And um, but yeah, I didn't I, I don't do that so much anymore. Like when I was doing more creative writing, I would obviously set music and set a tone. And uh, now it's just usually Spotify playlists and it's generally just background noise. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good question. That's what I would probably have to think about a bit more and, you know, dive into a catalog and go, oh yeah, I, I need some of that. But uh, probably, yeah, some, some black gays and um, some Interpol, some just kind of downright moody, dark moody stuff um, is probably where I'd be at. So that's, that would be off the top of my head choice. But That'll work, uh, you know, and part of the reason why I chose that song is that is from an album called Fairweather Johnson, which uh, sparked a whole uh, shitload of controversy at Rolling Stone that uh, Jim Derogatis uh, shat all over the, the album and, uh, uh, you know, then shat all over Jen Winter uh, and ended up costing both of them their jobs there, so... Uh, I figure if I'm going to watch the world crash and burn, that's the song in the album to take me there. Uh, but anyway, Stephen, I appreciate you, and I'll talk to you next Thanks, time. Thanks, Robert. Take care. Joseph, you can be patient. We'll bring up Mitch. Mitch, go ahead. It looks like we either drew, we lost some people and now people are back or probably something screwy with the app. But go oh, thanks. Yeah, this week has been terrible. I've been following politics for 50 years and never in a million years would have guessed that they'd end up indicting Trump. But let me change the topic because this is all too depressing. Two things. You have a uh, you play video games. Do you um, do you have a meta quest? Do you ever try that? Because I, I play it every day. It's great. And also, what do you feel or how do you do you like the band Big Thief? That's really the only modern band I like. And I just want your opinion on that. And I will uh, mute and let you uh, give your opinion. Uh, I haven't I haven't I don't know MetaQuest. Um, 
I'm a very casual video game player. Uh, I do have a PS5. I overpaid for it on Facebook Marketplace, and I made sure it worked. It was in a public place, so I didn't get shot going into a dude's apartment. Um, but I'm I'm a very casual gamer. I only basically I download everything. So right now I have I I haven't uninstalled Elden Ring. It's still there. Um, although now I feel like a complete noob who forgot how to walk every time I fire that up. Um, I generally do sports games a lot. So I have Madden, I have NHL. And I think I talked today on the podcast that I just got into NBA 2K, which is funny because I, I said on the podcast, I hate the NBA. I don't watch basketball. I know who the players are, but that's largely because of just celebrity shenanigans. Um, but I love playing 2K. I love kind of learning, you know, strategies and the positions. And um, I think it's the best overall just sports game out there. And the reason I usually just put around on sports games is because I don't do well with cinematic video games. Like, you know, I'm trying to th- like Last of Us is a good example. And I've talked about it where it feels like it's a movie and everything, nothing you do matters. Like the, everything is planned out for you uh, to, you know, you have to go this way. You have to advance the story this way. And the story's all there. You just have to discover it. And it doesn't really feel like you're affecting anything. That's kind of like why I like open world stuff where you can just kind of do what you want. And, you know, if you're doing sports games, especially on difficulty levels, you really do kind of have to pay attention and it affects it. So um, I talked about today and Joe Mobile, uh, who calls in here a lot, uh, had mentioned Resident Evil 4. I might do that um, just because I read the reviews. I haven't played the original Resident Evil, but I've watched trailers about the remastering and I'm like, oh, OK. I mean, this looks eh, we'll see. Um, and, uh, what was, oh, Big Thief. Uh, I like Big Thief. Um, I liked their album last year, which was, uh, it was pretty much near the top or top album of the year on a lot of indie charts. Uh, it didn't click with me in that way. I thought it was, eh, it was hit and miss. Uh, but I think they're a good, strong band. I think they have a really bright future. Um, and I think if they stay together, who knows? I know they went on tour with Death Cab, and they opened a ton of shows for Death Cab. And Ben Gibbard is like that. He, if he finds a band that he likes, he will put them on, and he'll just take them across the country, and he'll make sure that people hear them. Um, but yeah, oh, I, I think they're, a good, yeah, they're they're a really good solid band. I, I wasn't into their album as much as I think professional music critics are, whatever that is even anymore. I don't really read music reviews. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of them. Oh, well, let me just say MetaQuest is a virtual reality system, you know, where you wear the goggles and they have a, um, um, the game you just mentioned, the, um, zombie one. Yeah. So a bunch of years ago, I got, I got the, the 3D PS headset. Uh, I got it as a, uh-huh. I got it as a Christmas gift and I did, I did get the 3D Resident Evil game and I made it about, uh eh, a bit into it. I, I think the graphics were jarring. I was getting motion sickness from some of it. So I still have it. I just, I haven't hooked it up in forever. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Resident Evil one was the best one. There was also Star Wars. Uh, one of the, one of the, one of the Star Wars Battlefront games or whatever had a, uh, had a metaverse style. You're in the cockpit of a, of an X-Men right. and you just, you run a mission and that was awesome. But yeah, I, they I didn't. They didn't develop it beyond that one thing. So I kind I of. I use it every day. You should check it out. The new, the, the new uh, PSVR one, and uh, you know, you might like it. Maybe I, I'm. 
I'm growing so weary of technology and I don't think it's because I'm getting older. I just, I, I see how things like meta are going to be abused in the sense of, you know, like ready player one. They're not, I think that there's a lot of possibility for educational and, you know, learning things. And like when you see how it could be used to teach surgical students and stuff. Um, but also I see it as something where it's going to be such an escape where people climb into it and never really climb out of it. Oh, and so I'm, I'm at that point where it's like, no, I'm checking out. I'm checking out. You won't put me in the pod. I'm not going to go. You know, I saw a great I saw a great tweet or a great comment that someone made when everyone started making AI images of themselves that, and they're all super futuristic and whatever. And someone said, everyone doing this convinced convinces me that everyone would choose the pod if they could be hot like the Matrix. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, yeah, I'll let you go. But the only, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the only good thing about society now is how we're really uh, uh, getting better with the uh, tech stuff. It's really going to be a big boom in the next 20 years. Yeah, I've said that, that, you know, I'm going to be, you know, if all goes according to plan, I'll be checking off this rock right when, like, shit gets like super really cool or everyone just basically chooses that virtual, you know, reality over what we are here. And I kind of don't really have a problem with that. Yeah. I'm the opposite, but I'll let you go. That's what the only thing I'll be upset about dying is that I'm going to miss all the cool <laughs> stuff. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. But you won't, your, your consciousness will be preserved in <laughs> the metaverse. So you have yeah. nothing to worry about. I do. I do think there are exciting possibilities. I, I do think that, what Elon Musk is doing with Neuralink technology and, you know, what others are hopefully doing with it besides him, I think is really interesting. Uh, you know, impl- impl- implanting a chip that, that cures blindness or deafness. I think that stuff is really interesting, but I also see that stuff having to go through so much red tape to where it, it might never get done ever. Um, that's just kind of where we are now. Like nothing ever really advances that needs to advance. And so yeah, that's the issue with the driving. I, I do I do think that there's a lot of that that's exciting, but I also I, I maybe I'm just cynical where I just think a lot of it's gonna be exploited. All right, well take it easy and uh glad you had a call in tonight. Yeah, take care, man. Joseph, if you can hold on, I'm gonna go ahead and hit uh, mute on your microphone and you're up. Go ahead. Also, I'm trying to ignore the Frenchie fighting in the background. I hope you guys can't hear that. Hi, can you hear me? Yep, you're up. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, so sorry. I'm, it's a little windy. I'm walking home right now from the gym. Uh, I didn't want to call one out while I was at the gym because let's just say I live in a very, how you doing, man? I live in a very liberal part of the Chicago area, but I'm personal so, so friends with the head of diversity. Of, yeah, <laughs> uh, like uh, Lincoln Park, Lakeview area, yeah. I'm personal friends with the head of diversity of Illinois and he tells me things sometimes that he probably shouldn't like stuff that's come out that um, the public doesn't know like JB Pritzker is going to endorse Brandon Johnson, some other things that are going to happen. And it's also kind of jarring because I will send him stuff. A lot of the, your stuff, he is personally freaking out that some Trump supporters are apparently going to New York on buses right now. But he hasn't said a word about Tennessee, and he also hasn't said a word about um, about the school shooting. So I'm wondering, what, what should I nail him on? Um, what do you think is best to nail him on? 
Um, I I have not seen or heard anything of people getting on buses to go to New York. And he, if, if if you if you recall, they tried this last week, and yeah. you had you had. 50 journalists for every one person that was supposedly there to protest. That's a great point, um, yeah. So I, I haven't seen this. This sounds like something. Generally, conservatives and Trump people aren't the ones that get on buses to go places. That's generally the left busing in people from out of state to start yep. fires from Antifa and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, Pritzker endorsing Johnson wouldn't surprise me. Um, mm-hmm. we, we've had people on here talk about, you know, the mayoral race in Illinois where, you know, Johnson's receiving slush money from teachers unions and those oh, are yeah. forced teachers unions. And so, I mean, that places like Chicago, it, what's so funny to me is the, the, the Republican, if there is one, is, is a non-starter in all of these cities. Yeah. You know, the, the whole debate is between Vallis and Johnson, and that's it. Well, they call Vallis I don't even know if there's. I don't even know if there's a Republican even running in Chicago, and I think that that's a problem in and of itself. Um, yeah, I mean, the other one of the things I thought about, and you know, you bring up the point about how you know someone hasn't mentioned Tennessee or hasn't mentioned Nashville, and you do really kind of have to remember how a lot of this stuff is just perpetuated online. Where, you know, if I shut my phone off for 12 hours, I didn't even hear about the Nashville shooting until it was late afternoon. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you, a lot of this stuff is noise and it's why I try not to get too wrapped up in gender wars and stuff. Um, I think there are a lot of parents who do see this stuff happening in schools. And I think that that's up to them. It's nothing, nothing is going to, you know, nothing I say on Twitter is going to like shift you know, something greatly, despite the fact that I, I still do it, you know, maybe I write something that gets out there, whatever. Um, but it really is going to be people, you know, with kids in schools that shift this debate and it'll be, you know, athletes that have, uh, you know, where a trans woman joins their, you know, daughter's softball. Team. And it's going to mm-hmm. kind of really be up to those people that, you know, have more skin in the game than I do. Um, but as far as like nailing something, I I don't know. It sounds like he's pretty much nailing himself to things already. So I send him a lot of shit, a lot of your stuff, and he just ignores it. But I know he reads it. I'm busting his balls, but he makes like 125 a year, works like 20 hours a week. So I don't mind sending him stuff and annoying him. But the last thing is, I can't confirm that they are working hard to get Trump the nomination. Like he is freaking out whenever DeSantis gets up in the polls. So whatever you're talking about, it's 100 percent correct. He's he's admitted it to me. Well, I mean, it's obvious if you've been if you if you went through 2016 and you saw the amount of attention Trump was given, and when you heard the quotes of people like Les Munoz who who flat out said, "You know, Trump's <laughs> great for our ratings, but he, yeah. he's bad for America. But he's great for us." You know, I covered that extensively, and that's I've been on that ban- I've been on that ball ever since. I'm still on it. Uh, they, they are clearly trying to deploy the strategy that they. they deployed in 2018 and 2022 by elevating fringe kooky candidates. And that starts and ends with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I said on the podcast today, I don't know how it helps or hurts Trump. I'm, I see everyone making predictions. I see everyone saying he's, he's got the nomination locked up. Now uh, I see people saying it's not really going to move his team reportedly released. And this isn't confirmed because there's no official his team's word that he ra- he fundraised $4 million in one day off of the actual <laughs> indictment. Now, yeah, that sounds like a lot, but that's not a lot for him. And, he, you know, he raised mm-hmm. 1.5 over three to four days. 
last week, and that's not a lot. And so that could say a couple of things. It could say, I think people are just over the nonsense. They're over the drama, whether it's Trump-induced or not. I think there might be people waking up to the fact that, yeah, Democrats are trying to, Democrats through the media are trying to engineer another election. Um, if, I look at this and say, if, if this is what Republicans really want, I'm getting off the tracks this election. I yeah. will, I am stepping up. I, yeah, I was paid to be on the tracks last election. When I was at National Review and, and Hate Street. On this one, I'm just going to step aside and go, okay. I mean, that's it. Like, like I said, Batman Begins Caucus. I'm, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. And so it's, it's a, it really is, I think, more of an open secret this time, especially as you see Trump, you know, still bitching to Mag- Maggie Haberman at the New York Times or CNN or whatever. And over here you have DeSantis who's like, I'm not going to fucking talk to these people. These people are here to defeat yeah. us. And I think that that will go a long way. When Mike Pence, I mean, when the Trump indictment was announced, Mike Pence was on CNN. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, you don't need mm. to engage these people. They're not your friends. They don't have your interest at heart. And I think there's one guy in the race that really understands that and has really demonstrated that. Like, there's 50 articles of Ron DeSantis has to come out of the bubble and talk to us. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to fucking talk to you. And I, I wish that there were more candidates who understood that. And we really are kind of on that trajectory of when Newt Gingrich hammered the debate moderator to Trump doing it to now someone's like, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to be in a debate if you're the moderator. That's, we're done. We're done with yeah. this. And I wish that there were more candidates that recognize that reality. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for taking my call. I do want to say there's more open-minded center-right people out in Chicago than you think. It's really just insufferable woke white women that are ruining it. But uh, I'll try to call when I'm inside next time so it's not so windy. But I really appreciate it. No problem. Time. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> All right, Joseph. Thanks for waiting. Thanks for uh, letting me leapfrog you a couple of times. Go ahead. <laughs> Anytime. Um, I guess I'm going to kind of take a break from the kind of pressing week that we have. Um What's your, uh, as of right now, what's your top album of this year, if you have any? Uh, I don't really have one yet. I mean, we're only, what, three, three, four months. So let me see. I always create about five different folders with a new year. Uh, what do I have here? I, I have an empty folder for my oh, 2023 wow. best of. I, I'm trying to think if there's anything even really that let me see i'm gonna scroll through yeah i mean so here's what i'll name i'll name every album i have saved right now in march i have guided by voices uh i have ryan adams nebraska ryan adams is fascinating he's now covered uh a bob dylan album he covered nebraska and this is after he covered taylor swiss album so all i can assume is that he just wants to sleep with bruce springsteen um (laughs) SYML Cherry. SYML is interesting to me. Um, Inhaler, which I haven't really listened to too much. U.S. Girls, Snow Ghosts. Uh, H. Hawkins is a really good one. He's uh, a kind of country western singer songwriter. Uh, U2's Songs of Surrender was interesting to me because it, they re, they just like they toned they reimagined like their entire popular catalog and stripped them down. So I wanted to hear that. I wasn't really that impressed. Um, I just saved one today called Paranual, uh, which was uh, kind of a 
shoegazy, poppy, indie dream album that John Gabriel would, you know, be having his head in all the time. So I don't even have a ton of albums yet. I've listened to more singles and tracks than that. Yeah. But I don't really, I don't have anything. I'm waiting for, you know, there's going to be some bigger releases here coming up. Um, and like I said, I'm not really doing a lot of albums. I'm I'm skipping around to a lot of singer-songwriters. Um, I'm listening to a lot of, out, you know, outlaw Western, outlaw country stuff. Um, and so that's kind of where my head is at at the moment. So this is usually how it goes. There's very rarely will an album come out where it's released in January, February, and it's still, you know, at the end of the year, it's in my top 10. There, there's been a couple. Um, Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah is one where those guys came out with one um, a couple of years ago in February. Symbols uh, E Guitars was one um, uh-huh. where, where it came out in like February, March, and it was still on my list at the end of the year. So generally... A lot of the good stuff comes out probably end of April into June in the summer and stuff like that. So we'll see. Um, like I said, my head's in a different place. I don't know if it's just getting older or frame of mind or, or whatever, but um, I'm trying to discover a lot of just kind of uh, outlaw country singer-songwriters right now. Yeah, that's not like a good thing. Uh, it feels what's, like it's What's kind of yours, like... Joseph? Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I haven't... I... I, I honestly haven't listened to a lot of like newer records that have come out. I've always kind of been on a low for that just because a lot of those stuff that I listen to is just a lot of like, you know, older kind of like, well, just generally like older music, whether it be like, you know, class rock from the 60s or 70s and even like old runs from the 90s. Like today I was listening to like um, Hunger Strike, uh, The Clap with like uh, uh, Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder. Yeah, Eddie Vedder released a solo album last year. One of the other things is I have is I always yeah that one I listen to. I always have a I always have a folder where it's I call it missed twenty whatever year. Yeah, and I already have like fifteen albums in my missed folder from twenty twenty two, and I always like to go back and say, oh, this one actually would have been my third one, or this one would have been my fourth one. Um, there's some there's some good ones that I missed. The Cactus Blossoms was one. The, uh, the Mountain Goats, who I fucking generally hate. The Mountain Goats, but I liked their album from last year. <laughs> um, Eddie Vedder's was okay. I've come to I've come yeah. to really kind of appreciate Pearl Jam more than I think when I was like living with them and growing up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my one of the things I like to do is I like to create playlists where I change the sound of a band completely. And what I mean by that is Pearl Jam can go from ballad to bluesy to full on, you know, rock or, you yeah. know, just, and so I try to pick a genre for them. And then I just put songs in a playlist that reflect that. And I, and I decided to kind of go bluesy with them uh-huh. and it helps me just kind of rethink a band a little bit. Um, so uh-huh. I did that. I created kind of a playlist that said, okay, I'm getting rid of all the kind of like, you know, spin the black circle Pearl Jam. And I'm only going with some of this kind of bluesier, you know, where Eddie Vedder can really flex his chops. So it's like acoustic and bluesy. And so I've done that. And uh, I didn't really like his, this last solo album. I thought like his Into the Wild soundtrack is great. I I still find it insane that like to see them at an arena is like $3,000 a ticket. Um, (laughs) I I saw them when I was like 15 
in the third row of some amphitheater when I, and it was like, you know, a hundred some odd bucks. But like, when you look at like tickets for them in arena, it's they're it, they're obnoxious. It's like $1,300 for a seat. And it's just like, man, no, no, thank you. <laughs> Especially after all the fighting they did with the uh, against Ticketmaster. Yeah. Right. Like they, it's like, what happened to that? They just kind of gave up and quit on it. Now it's Taylor Swift. Who's doing it. Yeah, and she might like, actually yeah, win because again, when, you know, the, you know, politicians who just want Taylor Swift's audience, you know, they're whatever you want, Taylor. Like, oh, yeah. Absolve like Article four. Sure. We'll do that. And yeah, I think the, they, yeah, I think they're like more scared of her, her fan base than they are of her because her fan I am. base is fucking terrifying. I've, I've gone up against <laughs> that fan base. It's not fun. No, no, it's not. They, like, they dig up more shit on you if you like bad tweet about her than any journalist has on me. Like, like I got into it with the Swifties one time and then my, like my Facebook page got 50 password notifications in an hour. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, ah, fuck. That's why I have double, you know, double protection on, but I was just like, yeah, that's them. They, they find your fucking Instagram and all right, I guess I'm making that private now. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, and they still like whole bunch of grudges against her accessing, uh, including John Mayer. (laughs) Uh, what what yes. else is on your mind, Joseph? Uh, that's about it. I just wanted to like switch it to a lighter topic to kind of like <laughs> wait on a good note. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that, and I'm totally fine with it. So yes. All right, thank you, Stephen. Cheers, thanks, Joseph. Good to thanks. see you again. <clears throat> we'll probably we're on a good pace, so we'll probably just wrap it up with Jason. Uh, but Daniel, hey, Steve, thanks for call- uh, thanks for having me on. Um, <laughs> to follow up with Joseph, I hate to bring it back down, but there are, there are a few things, uh, regarding the shooting that, uh, I just wanted to bring up and talk about and hopefully I'll keep it relatively quick. Uh, the first thing actually concerns Michelle Goldberg and her appearance on Joy Reid's show right after the shooting happened. And it was, maybe it's coincidence, fate, whatever, who cares, but I had been trying to come on here for a few weeks now and just never had the opportunity because um, recently I had watched the Monk debate um, on, I don't know if it's CBC or whatever Canadian TV channel between Michelle Goldberg. Taibbi was up there and yeah. And Douglas Murray. Taibbi, Douglas Murray and um, Malcolm Gladwell. And Malcolm Gladwell came out, came off the worst out of all of them. He was so petty and small and basically just responded to everything. I don't know if you watched it or watched any clips, but he responded to everything Matt Taibbi had to say with, well, you just, you, you just say that Walter Cronkite, Walter Cronkite was the most trusted man in news because he was a white man and he was in the fifties and sixties and there were no, you know, transgendered people back then. So that makes you hateful and racist. It was, it was so ridiculous, but Michelle Goldberg, um, was trying to rebut something that, uh, Douglas Murray had brought up, and Douglas Murray was basically talking about how the media blacks out any story that is counter to their narrative, et cetera, et cetera. And he cited the Colorado shooting uh, from the transgender guy at the bar. And Michelle Goldberg, her rebuttal essentially was something along the lines of, well, no one believes he was transgender anyways. That was so obvious. And then on the Joy Reid show this past week, 
she had breathlessly said, well, you know, this is a transgendered person and et cetera, et cetera, and followed all that sort of stuff. And had I thought back then, as well as I thought after watching that clip on the Joy Reid show, what is for transgender legitimacy? Uh, because the guy had been transgendered for one month, I think. I can't remember his name, but the Colorado shooter. And I believe uh, Audrey Hale, the shooter in Nash- Nashville, she had only been transgendered or come out as transgendered for about his month as well. So it's just it, it's it's one of those perplexing things where it's like, OK, guys, uh, as Wesley Yang says, kind of the the muddied the muddied uh, incoherency of everything. It just uh, that just kind of adds to it. Um also, I just kind of uh, kind and, of move and on, also but... in a few media outlets, they have just taken it upon themselves to start ref- to referring to Audrey Hale as they. Yeah, like yeah, they're just they're they're like gendering her out of just the blue, and it's kind of like what what are the rules here? And once you learn that the rules are whatever they say they are, fuck you. Um, it, it makes you just kind of shrug and go, okay, I, I guess this is the way we're going to. Yeah. I think, I think part of it is there are no rules beyond that, which that, which they can make up at the moment. And because they have, let's say the biggest microphone, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if their rules are consistent. It matters if they, as long as they can control the microphone and get their ideology across. Um, the next thing that it was just kind of had crossed my mind um, was the reaction to this all because I wasn't obviously it's 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 tragic and makes me mad but I, you know I wasn't riled up uh, riled up like with normal bullshit I was more just disheartened because it's so it's so unbelievably um, well, I would say the reaction beyond, behind um, promoting the trans day of remembrance or trans day of visibility, whatever you want to call it. And the utter, uh, the utter silence just on the actual people who were the real victims. It's just, I would say it's, it's the first time where I have truly felt that uh, there's, there's an active effort to cast out an entire group of people but not only by media, because that can be expected, but by a political body, um, especially the White House. It just – it feels like – You're talking about the same people, by the way. They're just leaving people behind. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I mean I'd, there, there's, zero, there's zero daylight between what the White House is pushing and what our national media is pushing. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's one thing for them to kind of kick the can down the road on – the Pennsylvania train derailment, not to belittle that because that's terrible. And I'm sure we'll hear down the road about, you know, all of the, all of the issues and byproducts that'll spill out of that. No pun intended. Um, but it's, this is, it's, it's so unbelievably blatant and in your face that just like, we just do not give a shit about you. And I just, I, it, that's, it's just, it's something that's just not, not good. And just how do you, how do you move forward for that? Is that something that, you know, causes, that starts to cause a rift in the country, like all of the people on the right who like to catastrophize about a national divorce and blah, blah, blah. But that's the first time where it seems like, you know, for the divorce, but they are, they are actively saying this is a group of people that we do not give a shit about. And it's just, it's, it's baffling to me. It's, it's baffling. Just, you know, it's 
like you said, the Norm Macdonald <laughs> quote. Imagine if uh, imagine if ISIS had detonated a, a dirty bomb, and imagine the backlash to peaceful Muslims. It's just it's it's so bewildering, and I can't tell if they're just doing it for political points or if the pain is the point. Um, I think it's both. I would take it a, a step further, and I would argue that I think that they're trying to provoke an attack. Um, I, I genuinely believe that they're 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 intentionally trying to provoke retaliation <clears throat> on something on a on a LGBTQ club or what have you. Um, and as like I said, I have you know in this as they're doing this whole thing on a day of visibility, and we have to remember it's like now. I mean, the only people that the last time that there was a major attack on an LGBTQ community was by someone who identifies as non-binary. And the previous time that that happened was by someone who was radicalized by ISIS online. And there's always, you have to understand that part of this is, how should I say they hate you? (laughs) And what I mean by that is we saw this sort of after 9-11, we saw this after terror attacks, they downplay it. Because they believe that you or I or people listening to this are a bunch of inbred fucking hicks who at any second we're going to snap and grab our AR-15s and we're going to run out on the street. And we're going to ask to find the first gay person. We're going to shoot them dead. And that's what's going to happen. That's what they believe. And that's why they downplay this shit. And that's what they think of you. That's the intelligence level that they – somebody in media like Jake Tapper or whatever. When they, when they downplay the Waukesha parade attack, for instance – which was one, you know, it's described as an SUV did that. And I don't think, you know, there's 78 people in this room. I don't think 76 of them could name the guy who committed that attack. And he, he's out of the news and he's gone. And the, their thinking is, if we report on the story accurately, that who this guy is, and, he, you know, he had black nationalist propaganda all over his Facebook, that the whites are going to rise up and go out and start shooting black people. And they're all going to look like Kyle Rittenhouse, by the way. That's what they think. So once you start there, if that's your starting point, I guess I would say, how do you act accordingly? And after every shooting, the NRA is blamed. And I wrote about this. Uh, There hasn't been a single mass shooting committed by an NRA member in this country. And I don't think in its history. And, you know, I just, I'm duly, you know, able to remind these people that more journalists and trans people have committed mass shootings than NRA members. And you say that and they lose their ever living fucking minds. And I I think what you're seeing is it's hard for our media and our presidential administration to back Occupy, for instance, which they still tried, but Occupy was then just rife with sexual assaults. And then there was fights and it, it devolved into, you know, barter town of class warfare and it dissolved and it itself imploded in about, you know, three weeks. And then Occupy kind of went off and became, you know, more black block Antifa. And our media can kind of go around Antifa. They can kind of say, well, we don't know what they are. And you, there's, there's no, it's not really an organization. It's just a bunch of idiots with masks and the, there's nothing here, but they can't really endorse what they're doing. They can't really endorse, you know, attacks on buildings and riots and stuff like that. And I think what you're seeing, at least what it feels like to me, is this new kind of trans militia, LGBTQ militia style narrative 
is the offspring of that. And the media thinks and knows we can get on board with that because Republicans are directly attacking that. And so if one of them is radicalized, and again, we still don't know um, what, what Audrey Hale was up to. We still don't know parts of the manifesto. The timing is suspicious. The target is suspicious. Um, her, again, the fact she left the manifesto is a little suspicious. So we can, you know, probably piece together some on that. Um, so when one of them goes and shoots up a school, their attitude is, well, this is, this is going to, this is going to be retaliation on a bunch of trans people or, or drag queens or what have you. And that is their starting point. So their attitude is we need to overcorrect. We need to back up the trans community, despite the fact that this happened just three days ago. And it's kind of like, you're kind of right that they're not interested in talking to the people of Nashville either. Hey, red state, you're red state. You're passing these laws. You people live there. You get what you deserve. Bang, bang, bang. And that really is the kind of, whether or not they're saying it out loud, whether or not they're uh, putting it out there. There are some that are saying that out loud and um, they look at this. So, so I saw, I think it was Zed Jelani said that how come Biden isn't going to Nashville? And they, they said there's still a chance he might, but we had the first memorial um, for one of the victims today, one of the, one of the kids today. And they said, why isn't Biden, why isn't president empathy going to Nashville to meet with these families or commend these these officers, especially in the wake of what happened in Uvalde. And I think it's very simple. And once you realize the, the answer to this, it's it's even more cynical, which is this Biden, the Biden administration believes and the PR people behind it and the advisors believe that if Biden is seen pinning a medal on a police officer that killed a trans person, that that's going to provoke, again, a reaction from that activist base. I genuinely believe that our media and the Biden administration now fear that that base. And we saw this while Alja Carbio, and I said it. I said that this is where they're going to go, which is putting out the body cam footage or, you know, spreading it and people watching or commending it. All they see, all someone like Alja Carbio sees is cops. Again, we had riots white cops killing a trans person. And Alejandro Caballo said that. And once you do that, you victimize, you're, you're actually martyring that shooter because those victims were asking for it. And those victims, hey, they're, they're in a red state. It's their fault. And it doesn't matter if they're kids. It doesn't matter if it's an African-American custodial engineer that was shot and killed, probably protecting kids because they look at this and say, there's a marginalized victim ladder and and I thought what was so interesting about the George Floyd riots and where we have come since is how unmarginalized African-Americans have become and how much like uh, trans movement and the LGBTQ movement has like moved ahead of them. They basically co-opted that entire movement. They co-opted the word woke. Um, if you remember a lot of those like riots and protests were white women screaming at people just trying to eat their fucking food in a restaurant. And so once you see that you can move an entire narrative based on victimization and the right does this too a bit, but the right doesn't have an entire national media complex behind them, helping them do it. That's the difference. And so once you realize, Hey, we can, we can utilize all, we can utilize victimization to, 
intimidate our political opponents into submission, which is what this is about when the national media victimizes a mass shooter and blames the Republicans said, well, your laws are what caused this. Your policies are what causes this. This is why I used the Hamas example, because that is the whole thing behind the Hamas-Israel conflict, which is if Israel just, if you guys would just get up and fucking leave, we would stop stabbing you. And that is the exact parallel you're seeing now with them victimizing Audrey Hale. And so you already saw Ahadja Carbayo say, here's the, here's the political right glorifying the murder of a trans person. Yeah, you're goddamn right. We're celebrating the death of a mass shooter, especially after what happened in Uvalde, Texas, and, and especially what happened in Parkland. You're fucking a right. We're celebrating this. And that's how I view why Biden won't go to Nashville. He won't commend. He won't commend those officers. Uh, he won't meet with those families because if he does that, he's meeting with families that support bigotry, even if they lost their daughter or their son or their coworker or whatever. And if he's seen pinning a medal on cops that killed a trans person, that's what you're going to hear from that community, either on Twitter or online. And they're going to say, here's Joe Biden selling us out. And I a hundred percent believe that. And this to me, like I said, this to me, they look at a sympathetic movement and say, well, trans kids are under attack. Well, what, what do you mean by under attack? Let's have that conversation. Well, you're banning life-affirming gender care. Okay, what does that involve? You just keep asking them questions. What does that involve? Hormone therapy, like permanent hormone therapy, permanent surgeries? Yes, let's have this debate out in the public. Because to this day, I still can't believe that I think it was Ron DeSantis who pushed them into this corner. Like, they automatically have to defend whatever he's demonizing. They did this with Trump as well. And so the fact that he actually got them to redefine puberty blockers and hormone therapy, permanent hormone therapy, and they had to create a brand new fun, you know, workshop term called gender affirming care. Um, they did that for a reason, and that's because they know that if they actually talk about what this involves, much like abortion, they're going to fucking lose that debate. And so I think the only way that they think now that they can win this debate is to militarize the debate. And they basically, they're at, you know, the activist and trans community and the LGBT activist community are now acting like Hamas, which is, we're going to intimidate you and we're going to make you scared to go through with these laws. So that's where I think we're at. Like I said, the, this thing with Audrey Hale, I think that there's still more grayness than, you know, what people are taking it for. I still want to read the manifesto. I'd like to know her history with the school, um, if she was possibly abused either at that school or whatever. Um, this is not the incident that really frightens me. It's going to be the next one. Because the next one, they'll see, one, they see the glorification, they see the victimization, they see the martyrization. And just like a terror attack, someone else will step up and do it because they see the attention and they see the positive attention. Yeah. Um, kind of going back to that, do you think that Biden's, both Biden's lack of a response, lack of a visit to Nashville, and then, you know, blasting out the blue, white, and pink Trans Remembrance Day thing, do you think that will have any sort of um, effect on independence or even even you know reasonable kind of center left democrats i think it depends on what happens next i think it depends on how far this goes i i genuinely think biden's people go we're not going to win tennessee in 2024 fuck them that's what i think and we saw that with ohio with the train derailment those people were ignored 
and it, it took, you know, a week of bad press against Pete Buttigieg to, to drag his ass there to just appear like he's doing his job in goggles and a vest. And I that Obama kind of did that, where if there was a tragedy in a red state or whatever, he's just like, I'm dragging my feet on aid. I, I'm, I don't care. I think that that's how Biden's people look at it. We're not Tennessee's a red state. Fuck them. Um, I, I genuinely think like, what do we have to gain from going to Nashville? We, and, you know, I was thinking like we have the, the tornado that happened in Arkansas. I'm watching that one and saying, you know, how what is the administration's reaction going to be to this thing in Arkansas? So um, that's kind of what I think with it. Joe Biden's thing with independence. He's sitting at 38 percent. This is a this is a really underreported thing. He kind of ticked up around the elections. He's back to 38, 40 percent. Um, this is a guy who, you know, one in five people of his own party don't want him to run again. And it's largely his age and it's his mental acuity. Um, but if that's his party, I think independents are really up for the getting in this election because I think a lot of them for several reasons are, um, he's too old. We don't like this. Also, Biden's independent appeal was empathy and competence. I'm more competent than Trump and I'm more empathetic. And the Afghanistan withdrawal proved that he's neither of those things. So every time we hear about how empathetic he is, and then you see a clip of him laughing off the religious uh, connotations to this crime where he's like, oh, polysport, I'm against it. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Hey, um, that's not empathy. And he's never been that guy. That's That was an image that journalists and people like the Bulwark painted in their head uh, to justify themselves pulling the lever for him. And so whether or not it moves independence, I don't know. Um, I don't know how much like independent voters are really paying attention to the trans day of visibility. Um, I, I can say that there's probably, you know, today the Texas state house was protested in the Florida state house was protested in the Nash, the Tennessee state house was overrun yesterday. And this is after two years of January 6th is the worst thing since the Civil War. So I think independents look at that. They see the double standard of well, you can't do it, but we can. We're going to continue to do it. And so I, I really don't know. I think we're still too far out from an election. Um, but Biden's popularity, even in his own party, is wavering. And they might not have a choice but to support him again. But like I said, one in five people of his own party don't want him to run again. So that can give you a good barometer of where he is. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to take up uh, too much more time because I'm sure we got more people on here. We're past an hour, but uh, just one of the last things I want to bring up is I'm I'm down here in New Orleans, and um, we have probably the most Catholics. I would say probably mostly Catholics, some Christians, but Catholics per capita besides like cities like Chicago and Boston. And we have a ton of uh, good catholic private schools because the public school system down here is shit a teacher at a catholic high school and my wife and i attend as amy coney barrett uh when she was growing up and every sunday we have every sunday at 11 a.m mass there are about five or six pro-abortion that um i mean they've they're aggressive in that they they like to heckle people and kind of kind of get up in their faces and it, it's it's interesting because they don't talk about pro abortion stuff so much as they just try and like roast people walking past and so it's you know as as Jesse Kelly says it's it's the unfuckable goths 
and they kind of just like try and talk crap to moms and dads bringing their little kids to church and so in, in my head i'm like who really looks bad here in your eyes guys like come on but um you know going through this i'm wondering okay like this is this is a church and a parish that clearly has um the attention of probably more than a few people who know its association with Amy Coney Barrett. And I'm wondering, like, is it, would it be better for me to go to church at like uh, in a different kind of less, uh, less conspicuous Paris this weekend? Like, I just, I, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, you never start to think about things, these things until they start to hit kind of close to home. And, you know, like, I mean, I've got a, I've got a little baby girl and she's, a friggin' miracle. She's the light of our life. She wakes up every day with a big smile. It's, you know, it's, it's enough to melt a cynical man's heart. And, um, and it's just like, you know, it's, 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 it's both tough to kind of have to contemplate those things and be worried about, uh, people who, like you said, um, now have the clearance, not only from the media, because that's a given, but from the fucking white house, from the people all the way up at the top that you will be glorified and remembered for your heroics on the ideological battlefield. It's just, it's concerning. I think that that's the point. And, the, um, the, the point is you we're like going to make you. <laughs> I, yeah. I think the point is with all of this, because they're saying it is we're going to make you feel as mentally unstable and as afraid as we have our whole life. When most people are just like, what are you talking about? I haven't done anything to you. <laughs> like, um, I think the majority of people are, as I've said, to me, this isn't about the trans community. I, I, and, you know, there has been rhetoric coming out of the right over the last week that makes me uncomfortable. I, I agree with Chad Felix Green, who is a gay conservative, which says this is not about the trans community. This is about trans people. You know, this is about a furthering of, you know, the militiaization and the militarization of leftist activist groups adopting, you know, the trans flag, basically. And that's all this is. Um, when they're out there using language like we're being genocided, they don't talk to people online like or in a forum where I go, how are you being genocided exactly? Like, do you, do you have any understand how fucking insulting that is to like actual genocides? You know, go to go to Rwanda and wave your flag and let us know how that goes. OK, that's fucking genocide. And again, I, I don't think that this is about trans people. I, I think that this is. What's interesting to me is this is about minors. This is about the permanent surgeries and permanent hormone treat treatments of minors. And I think the best analogy to all of this, and I've, I've talked to friends on the left about this, and I'm like, do you let your kid get a tattoo before they're age 18? Oh, fuck no. Okay. All right. That's affirming your identity in a way. You're inking your body and you're putting something on you that's permanent that you hope lasts. And... I, that's how I kind of look at this. The, the drag queen show thing is not something I get fully on board with, especially when it comes to private businesses. And I, I do understand, well, we keep kids out of strip clubs. It's okay, fair enough. If you want to pass that law, pass it. Um, but I, I kind of get off the boat with the, with like the, the drag show brunch hour stuff. I don't care about that stuff. I do care about, you know, the stuff coming into classrooms. I do care about it coming into public schools um, because I, I don't understand, like, when, when did this, when did drag become like the most ubiquitous pastime for like, f you know, assembly elementary schools, Jesus fucking Christ. I used to watch like yo-yo teams and the drug guy with the dog, 
you know, so we watched the Raptor guy bring in an eagle. And that was fucking great. Like, when did drag queens replace that stuff? I don't understand how ubiquitous this all became. Like, do you just dial them up like, you know, the clowns and Joker? It's a service. I, I don't know where all of this came from. Um, but now, of course, they're going to double down on all of it. And I'm kind of fine with all of that. Um, but, yeah, I, I look at this and I just say this isn't this is an argument about the, the permanent altercation of minors mental state and bodies. I don't see a lot of conservatives out there arguing about people transitioning over the age of 18 or 19 or 20. I, you don't see that. You don't see conservatives out here arguing, no, you shouldn't do that because you're an adult at that point. If you if you want to chop your wiener off, go do that. You, we're not giving you taxpayer money to do it. Um, but you but that's where the debate's headed ultimately next. Um but yeah, I just I, I look at this and I'm like they they are skirting around what the debate actually is because I think that they know that the country at large isn't ready to hear it. They might be in like five to ten years, um, but as far as like right now, that's why you know they're out there saying you know trans kids are being genocided. How what are you talking? How are gen? And again, these are people who, as far as an activist group, are not interested in hearing another point of view or debating with you. This is why comments are turned off on tweets. This is why any woman who objects to it is assaulted or hit with tomato soup in public. And so ultimately, I think that behavior loses. But I, what I'm seeing recently over the last weeks and months is not a, you know, it's not trans people here. To me, I look at this as the next radicalization of Antifa, which was a spinoff of Occupy. And now they've just figured out we're just going to use it, you know, with trans rights under the guise of trans rights. And we're going to radicalize it this way. And that, to me, looks like where it's headed because every single one of these groups escalates. And I don't know where you go from escalating from killing three kids at their elementary religion. Yeah, um, but you know, I, I don't. Yeah, it's just it's like ho hopefully it doesn't it doesn't get worse. But just part of the part of the bad feeling also just came because it's like you're that. I mean, these things always end up in copycats. You have to figure combined with the recent Trump indictment just seems like it just seems like a ticking time bomb, and I I really really hope it's not. But it's just it's that kind of a meat dropping feeling in your stomach that just like, you know, the potential for things to go wrong is at like, you know, and I'm not like, again, I'm not a, I'm not a, one of these kind of catastrophist guys that you see, you know, telling people to grab their muskets every five seconds, but it's just, it, it's like, man, you know, the, the hypothetical has, um, is reaching the threshold of being a reality, you know, if, if just, if just one, one person makes one bad decision, you know, that's, that's going to be it for me. I know you, you have guys uh, waiting and you've given me a lot of time. So I, uh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Daniel. All right. We'll get Andrea. Go ahead. Oh. Andrea. Uh, I think we lost, I think also we lost uh, Jason, but if you want to jump back up, uh, or if not, we'll end stuff okay um well daniel kind of took almost everything that i was going to ask because i was um i've been listening to you all week and you said that you are very shocked at what you're seeing with the media like you you've seen a lot you're 
a cynic and everything, but you're still shocked. So I was going to ask, do you think this is a tipping point with people I, with this whole either trans thing or just the left in general? I, th I think that people are underestimating the long-term damage of where they are this week. Um, I try to be pre-reserved. Like I guess I'm not, I'm not, you know, Glenn Beck signed Tucker Carlson calling for, you know, war or whatever. I, that's not mm -hmm. what I, I try to deal in realities. There's not going to be a civil war. There's not going to be a national divorce. I don't even know what that would look like uh, because most of states, even, even red states like Texas, you have cities like Houston and Austin, which are very blue. And Houston's going to elect Sheila Jackson, one of the most insane mm -hmm. people in Congress as the next mayor. So I don't even know what a national divorce looks like. Like, do you just, you know, what are we going to have, you know, 400 states where the cities are their own states? And again, I don't entertain those thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard not to go to a dark place over where this stuff leads, because like with Trump, for instance, and I wrote about this, this Regardless, and I see a lot of people saying, well, Republicans aren't going to do it. Republic yes, they will. I guarantee you yeah. that the when Republicans you go down this of 2023 road, are not the Repul are not George W. Bush's Republicans. Right. And if you yeah. put someone like Ron DeSantis uh, in charge, I thought Varad Mehta said something funny in response to my piece. He said, whoever the Republican, next Republican president is, if they beat Joe Biden, at the inauguration, you know, when everyone's playing nice and shaking hands, they should mm -hmm. lean in and say, your son's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. And, <laughs> like, that's to me where it starts. Now, I look at this and I say, folks, I, I think you're underselling this. I think Joe Biden gets charged as a co-conspirator. He's the big guy. Like, you don't have to make – a prosecutor doesn't have to make that leap. Now, people are saying, well, a grand jury and all. And I'm like, guys, they'll figure it out. They will find a state yeah. where – you know, Joe Biden did business in and that's, you know, wherever. Um, and I had people on Twitter last night saying, what are you going to charge him with? You have to, he's, you know, you're going to need a crime. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it fucking doesn't matter. matter. They yeah. will find something. And oh, by the way, Nancy Pelosi and insider trading, she's next. And then mm -hmm. maybe, like I said, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, they're getting long in the tooth. Chelsea's not. And her husband runs a hedge fund on Wall Street, you know. Um, so I, I look at this and I'm like, you guys open this door and you're seeing the commentary where it's like, well, no one's above the law. And I'm sitting here like, yes, fine. Let's mm -hmm. indict everyone. However, we know exactly what the media reaction will be when Hunter Biden is indicted, probably alongside Joe Biden. We know exactly what they're going to say. And they don't treat yeah. you equally. They're going to sit there and say, this is Ron DeSantis and AG Trey Gowdy or whomever he picks going rogue and this is authoritarian and, and they, they do it with zero self-awareness of their position on Trump because they know that they can fucking do it. And that's, that's the ball game. And so yes, every president, not, not only, people... not only will every president be impeached from here on out. Um, I'm actually really surprised that McCarthy hasn't just like already started <laughs> impeachment proceedings. I think he probably will down the, you know, in a, down the road here, but I'm actually shocked that they're just letting yeah. that one slide. Now, again, this is all again, the theory of slippery slopes that, Hey, we can do this. And then the next guy does it. And then the next guy does it. And then we do it. And then it's, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, well, and then, you know, as, Jesse, far as, as far as the mass shooting goes, yeah, 
I I've never I've never seen we saw with Colorado Springs how the media jumped in to ungender this person. They said he's trolling, he he hosted websites and whatever, he's not non by he's non binary, whatever like that. And, and that I don't even like, remember that. That happened so quickly and it was in and out of the news. But this is right. different. This is children. Chil- more than right. one child. Right. And this, this is, is different. Than, this is more than this person isn't trans because we saw it on a LinkedIn profile. So everyone saw it. So it's not like Ben Collins from NBC could walk out there and say, no, this didn't happen. This isn't true. We saw it. We, mm-hmm. Everybody saw the profile. Um, I had that profile about two hours before it was even going around Twitter. Just people I'm speaking with and, you know, in private and whatever. And I don't publicize those things because I'm like, if you guys get this one wrong, Holy fuck. Yeah. Like, You're never you, going to live don't, it down. You don't do it until there's an official source. Whether or not that source is a stupid outlet like NBC or it's the cops, you just don't do it. And so I was kind of along the lines of, all right, well, what does this mean? And the amount of, I, I never, I, I know how bad our fucking media is. And I know how soulless and shameless a lot of the people in this profession are. Um, but I don't think that even do you I think ever, they know, I don't do think, think I ever conscious. just come out and fully martyr and victimize a school shooter. Like I, but like, Steven, do you think they know what they're doing? Are they yes. like, are the, are the reporters going live and they're like, screw yes. the Republicans, this, yes. or do you think they're so brainwashed? It's just natural to them. To I take think they know what they're doing. Side? I think they okay. know what they're doing. Like, look at look at the thing with Soros. They know that this is bullshit. They know that this is not anti-Semitic, but they do it anyway. And yeah. again, like you have someone like Ben Collins. He's like, here's the CNBC story. He didn't even fucking read it. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. And then you oh have Joe God. Scarborough saying, you know, any mention of George Soros is anti-Semitic. And George Scarborough introduced a House measure to censure Al Sharpton for anti-Semitic. And Al Sharpton's sitting there. They have to know it. They have to fucking know what they're doing. I don't think it's brainwashed. Um, I, I think that they no, are. All, well, maybe they, that's they not are, the right word. Surprising. I mean, are they so into that um, ideology that yes. it just is only natural for them yes. to take that person's side? Yes. That No, that's okay. what I mean about it's not like a memo. There, there is Slack channel coordination between journalists and messaging and stuff like that. But on this thing, they just instinctively, it's like, nope, it's the gun and mm-hmm. it's, Republicans, it's, it's bigoted Republicans. That's what we're running with. You don't think running. any of them are stopping to be like, hey, when, what are our viewers going to think if we go out there and seem to be taking a sympathetic I, side I think, to the I think shooter? There are probably some people like that, but they know to keep their mouth shut. Yeah, because I've never seen anything like this. Professionally, they know to not mention it. And if you want a good example... Our beloved mm-hmm. senator from Pennsylvania, look at Dasha Burns. They know yeah. they know to keep their they know that something's not right, but they know to keep their mouth shut because if they don't, well, I guess we're not going to happy hour anymore, and I guess I'm not getting invited to Molly John Fast book party anymore, and I guess I'm not going on MSNBC anymore. And ultimately that's what journalism that's- is today. It's a lot of social media self promotion and it's not journalism. That's something that kind of yeah. Twitter enabled which is you're a reporter, but you're also working on your own personal brand. And Taylor Lorenz is someone who's mastered this. And so they know that, hey, if I express this opinion as a journalist, yeah, I might be doing journalism, but there goes my entire personal brand. And so. Yeah. 
Well, um, I'm sure you know who Jesse Kelly is. He can be kind of um, polarizing for some people, but he's been saying for a long, long, long time that if the Democrats keep ratcheting up what they're doing, the next GOP nominee or whoever is going to actually be a fascist. You're going to just push them into, okay, fuck it. I mean, we've got no other choices but to just fight. You know what I mean? Like this thing with Trump, I don't, I don't really care about this because they've been talking about it for years. I've kind of mentally prepared myself that this was going to come down the pipe sooner or later. And it's probably going to be some kind of bullshit. And, and, tr- and to really- be honest, Trump doesn't do himself any favors by hiring people like Michael Cohen. Yeah. And, yeah, true. and th- that to me is, <laughs> like I said, and, and like I think National Review even wrote today, where, um, which I which I wrote several months ago, and I've been saying Trump, Trump has to be kicked to the curb by GOP voters. That's it. It's not going to be mm-hmm. Alvin Bragg. It's not going to be a bullshit hush money charge in New York. It's not going to be, you know, impeachment. It's not going to be the Atlantic. It's not going to be the Lincoln Project. It's not going to be any of that. The, the GOP voters have to make up their mind that we've had enough of this. Like, regardless of we uh, we liked some of the things he did in office and the economy was great and he, you know, he kicked the shit out of Jim Acosta and that was all fun. <laughs> but eventually, to me, it has to be GOP voters to say, yeah. you know, how much of this is worth it? He's he's had a string of, of election losses now with midterms and handpicked candidates. Every handpicked candidate from this last midterm lost. Um, Carrie Lake. Uh, Herschel Walker, Oz, they all lost. You can argue J.D. Vance, but J.D. Vance wasn't really a celeb, and he was from Ohio. So he had hometown roots there, and he wasn't, like, you know, dealing with CTE yeah, like and Herschel he, Walker he is in Yeah, and he was a collab candidate. Peter Thiel also backed him. Right, and Peter Thiel is responsible yeah. for Blake Masters, and I get that. Um, but to me... It has to be GOP voters that regardless of how much they like Trump, it's just like we're just done with there's always fucking drama. It's always just drama on Twitter. It's drama with the media or it's drama with the last election. And it's the drama of all of this. And to me, they're the only ones that can say we're done with this. And until they do, this is going to keep going. And that's kind of how I look at it. So that's when you say you're prepared for it, I'm kind of with you on that. Um, I mean, but, like I, when I saw it in the news, I didn't even freak out. I was just like, oh, yeah. okay. Cause yeah, I, I mean, knew, I knew that the, the charges are bullshit. Like, oh, okay. I knew it's not going in. Yeah. It's, it was anticlimactic is basically, you know what I mean? It's not like they got him for Russian collusion. It's none of the stuff that they really were hoping and crossing their fingers they'd get him for. It's like number 20 on the list that they were hoping they'd get him for. I was like, oh, okay, good for you. Which, which I think was the you know? point here. The, the point is that someone did it. And now that someone has done mm-hmm. it, now other people will or should do it. But the problem with that is, especially when you're talking about criminal charges, if he we, if he beats them, if if this just becomes if it gets thrown out or whatever, that weakens other cases. Now, you now have the prosecutor in Atlanta who wants to bring him up on election electioneering charges. OK, that's kind of how I look at it. I'm like, all right, just do it. Mm-hmm. I guess you're going to just do it. But um, that's what the crazy foreman. Right. But even though they didn't, they kick her off the trial or something like that. I don't know. I don't they know. Her that off, one... But yeah, you that that's a good example. And the media wheels this person out. And yeah. everyone else goes, this, this this chick is fucking crazy. What are you doing? And we haven't heard from her again. 
Because I, I think maybe the Democrats and the media, the thing with Trump and prosecuting him is they, they've been salivating and fantasizing about it for years now that I think the reality and the fantasy are two different things. And they're going to learn that very quickly here in the next few days and weeks. Yeah, I mean, they want, they want the handcuff photo. Up. They want, you know, and all. Right. what's going to happen is he's flying to Manhattan on Monday. Um, he's going to he's going to get in an SUV. They're going to drive him to the courthouse. He's going to go through the garage. You're not going to see him. We, you won't see mm-hmm. anything. And then he gets processed and then he he might appear. He'll be back room. home. Yeah, maybe. Right. But that's maybe exactly back home in Florida. They, they yeah. think that they're going to get him trotted out in front of in an and orange jump, I, yeah, I jumpsuit. Think, like probably, you know, prosecutors are going to say minimize the circus because he wants the circus. Um and the, probably what we're going to see is he's going to get a mug shot with that shit eating grin with the ink stain being fingerprinted on and holding the thumbs up. And that'll be his photo. Rich Lowry said that's it's not legal to release a mug shot in New York, but he yeah. says it's going to leak out somehow. Yes, it will, it'll leak. And it might be Trump's mm-hmm. people who leak it. Um, so and then he's, he's going to get an SUV and there's going to be helicopters and there's going to be it's going to be like the OJ chase. <laughs> And then he's going to get back in the SUV. He's going to go back to Trump Tower and he's going to fly back to Mar-a-Lago. And then it's. And it'll all be over with. Yeah. Yeah. It's up to the fucking lawyers at that point. And so a lot of this is theater. A lot of this is not thinking things through. But I think I think Bragg's thinking is if I do this, then this gets the ball rolling on other prosecutors not being afraid to do it. And okay, Yeah. You're not going to like where this goes, guys. Right. But do you sort of agree with that whole the Jesse Kelly side of uh, the right who says that these little things like the shooting in Nashville and the prosecute and the indicting Trump, that it is slowly ratcheting up and you're going to get eventually a candidate who's worse than Trump. Um, I don't know if I believe that. I mean, you still have to elect that person. Um, I mean, a candidate. Do you think the electorate is going to be what, more? What is a candidate worse than Trump going to do? Get the military in if he loses the election? I mean, I don't know how much worse. What that? Well, I don't understand what that really means. And I, I guess the insinuation of "don't dare us to elect an actual fascist" is really a winning argument. I think what <laughs> no, people it's want. Not. I think, and I, I don't think really what people. I think it, what but... people. I think what people want is someone who is competent and. I don't want to say actually drains a swamp, but I think I, what I think is people want someone who's competent who goes in and says, uh, all of those DEI instructors at the Pentagon, you're all fucking fired as of today. You're gone. Go find a new job. Mm-hmm. And the media will shriek. It's racist. And they just go, I don't give a fuck. Oh, they what, will go worse. I'm not. They will do more than. Sh- Ma- Matt, Maggie Haberman will try to call the president and be like, we want to talk. And he's going to be like, I'm not fucking talking to you. Goodbye. All of those DEI instructors. Your last paycheck will be in the mail or direct deposit six days from now. You're gone. Thank you. And any general who opposes that and says, "Sir, we need you're too. You're gone now too, Miley." Next, who's up? Who wants to? Who mm-hmm. who's next? I think that that's what people want. They want that attitude yeah. with competence. And this is Trump's problem running again. Is and I've said it. Is he comes in and he says, "We're going to get rid of the globalists and the Democrats," and and we're going to. And I'm like, "Why didn't you do this the first time?" And it's something that Trump can't yeah, get around. But talk. we'll see. But we'll see. It's all talk. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just interested. Hey, I haven't been on Twitter in a few days. Have people like um like any of the big kind of center right uh 
gay people been saying anything like what, about this? What about Trump or about the shooting? About the shooting and the way the media is acting like, cause this just feels like a really big turning point. Like it feels like the left and the media have just put all their eggs in the basket of, okay, this is it. This is what we're like riding on. We're just going to, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I liked what Chad Felix Green said. I still think he has the best sentiment on it, which is this is not about trans people, you know, arming themselves to the teeth here. This is this is about a left, a left, a far left ideology, an activist ideology, and you know, using the specter of trans genocide to basically act out violence. And I mm-hmm. think that, that is accurate. I think that's a hundred percent accurate. I, I don't. I don't see but anything. Andrew Sullivan or any of these people. Have they like, have they been calling out the media as well or the white house? I cannot believe the fucking white house said our hearts and prayers or whatever are with the trans community. Whatever you said, their statement was, I, well, my mouth dropped. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, they're, they're playing to the base and their, their attitude is children uh, died and they can't even like do a one or two sentence. Like, The children are dead because of gun laws in a red state passing bigoted laws towards trans people. They had it coming. That's the attitude from the White House. That's it? Yeah, it's crazy. I cannot believe it. It leads nowhere good. So, Angie, I'm going to move on to Christopher and we can all get on with our nights. Okay. Thanks. Yep. Christopher, thanks for waiting. Uh, Go ahead and finish us off here. Pardon the, pardon the innuendo. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. This has been a week, man. Um, my 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 ten year old goes to a Christian school uh, here in the Houston area, and uh, and I'm a former special agent. Um, so I've uh, I, I started the week dealing with, you know, the the nonsense with the shooting at a Christian school and all the kind of the response to that, and ended the week just watching the just performative idiocy of people who know next to nothing about criminal investigations speculate on what happened in new york and what's going to happen next and everything else so i uh i I stayed well away from twitter today and uh but i'll tell you man this week all week long just from the perspective of a dad who you know has a little bit of tactical training and and a skill set from my former career um that school was serious this week like I, i i was doing the pick up and drop off of my kid all week at the at the school there were a lot of dads there there's a former navy seal Who's, um, whose kids go to that school, uh, a lot of other guys who have law enforcement connections. They put out a fundraiser right away to start doing some security upgrades, even though there's already a lot of really good security on campus. And it's because we're located just down the road from a very blue city, even though we're in a very red county and a red state. Um, you know, I'm a couple miles away from Harris County, which is, you know, as, as blue as, I mean, it's not as blue as Washington, D.C., but it's, it's pretty damn blue. And, uh, the fear is palpable for, for those of us who have kids on, on those campuses right now, uh, especially given the response this week from the White House, the way things went. Um, and dads are serious. The guys are serious. Like there were a lot of dads on campus this week, a lot of dads. And there was a lot of talk about where do I sign up and, and where do you need me to post up? Um, because that's not happening at this school. And, uh, and, and I'm telling you, like if these, if, if these people want to make this a radical thing where it starts to go hot, it's, it's, not going to end well for them, uh, just based on the reaction I saw in, in my little corner of the world. 
uh, this week. So, um, yeah, I just uh, <laughs> I just figured, you know, I'm uniquely tied to the two big stories of the week, and I just I could not even deal with the uh, the nonsense on Twitter by the end of the week. I was just I'm typically a passive observer, but um, my God, it was just banana. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, and, and I watched all of the body cam footage, and I, I watched the security footage as well, and. I thought it was interesting is remember when it, what happened with Uvalde where he goes in a side door and people like, you know, asshole Tim Miller from the Bulwark and others, you know, mocked the idea of a single entrance, a single door entrance. And I, I had a call in and I think it's probably my most memorable episode where I had a call in and I asked parents to call in and I asked, hey, what what is what is the policy at your school at every fucking single parent and caller called in and said, yeah, it's single door entry. It's you know, you, you can exit through side doors, but there's no door handles anymore. And that was my favorite. I mean, it's still probably my favorite episode to this day. Cause that's one where you can just pull up and listen, have these guys listen and say, here you have, you know, hoity Tim Miller, you know, having a martini with his pink in the air and oh, the single door entrance. And, and here you have real people just going, uh, yeah, that's what it actually is. You fucking dweeb. And what I thought was interesting on the security footage is, Part of me wonders when they say that she was a former student at the school is police said in her manifest she had mapped out other locations but didn't go to them because of fucking security. And so there's a lot of things about it. Was this targeted? Was she targeting the pastor who was supposedly counseling her? Like, what was this all about? We don't really know. Um, but when she approached that school, there was only one entrance and she had to shoot her way in. And that took, I think I counted it, it took about 40 seconds for her to shoot out the glass, keep shooting out two doors worth of glass, and then go in. And I thought in that 40 seconds, whenever they hear gunshots, that's when you can lock down and you can, you know, do what you need to do. And I thought that that part was interesting. And then the response time of the Nashville PD, four minutes, like they probably heard shots fired at Covenant School and they were on the fucking spot. Like they were... They, it clicked in their head that they had a mass shooting on their hands and they just gunned it. And when you watch the body cam footage of the officer who actually pulls the trigger, it starts in his car and he walks up and the teacher's like, you know, we have most people locked down, but we don't know where two kids are. And he's like, okay, ma'am, thank you, ma'am. And he just keeps walking. And then when they hear the shots upstairs, they just busted up the stairs. And I just thought like, these guys were so fucking well-trained. Like, it's just like the switch goes, just went off in their head. It's like, nope, we're going to deal with this. And that was it. Well, that's, and, and that's, that's, what how that's, that's what I thought was the most interesting. Like she had to shoot the glass out. Oh yeah. And even if you do that at a school, like that's going to buy you time. And, and now it's, you know, I don't know how you don't make the argument to have resource officers there. Um, I don't know how you make the argument that every fucking school in this country should have um, one single door. And, yeah, you're, you're probably going to start to see the implementation of bulletproof glass now in some of these places um, in school districts that can afford it. And that's just that, that's the unfortunate reality of the culture. Um, and so I, I thought that, you know, as someone who's not tactically trained in all of this stuff, I, I thought their demeanor and their behavior uh, was everything like I don't know what they could have done differently, and you know I I did. I mean that's I that's how it's rumors, done. Yeah, that's how it's reports. done. I saw rumors reports that she was actually 
basically doing a suicide by cop because when they when they sculpt her she was firing out the glass on the cop cars down below she wasn't going from classroom to classroom to classroom to classroom to to cause the most damage and so i don't know if that's true either but that was another part of it that i thought was interesting that she was shooting out the window doesn't see the officers coming down the hallway and that guy when you see his body cam from the time that he has eyes on to the time that she hits the floor was about two seconds and I'd look at that, and I'm just in awe. I'm just kind of like, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, that is how it's trained, and that is, like, from from every agency. You know, I, I was federal, but, like, you know, state, local, we all, that training has been instilled in us since, you know, since Columbine. It's small unit tactics. Um, you just, you close with and destroy the enemy. And Colum- the Columbine was another one. I, I grew up, and at the time, I was 15 miles from Columbine when that shooting happened. And that's another. I was like one. a freshman that, in college. That, I remember seeing that on TV. I mean, that's another yeah. one where, again, you something like that hadn't ever really happened, and you have the dudes in their tactical gear and their fucking handlebar mustaches and their Oakleys, and they're all standing around outside. Like, guys, if you're going to have that culture, get the fuck in there. Like, I can tell. Go. I can tell you a little bit of insight on on Uvalde because I spent ten years of my career in uh, in South Texas, and uh, <gasps> I spent. Sorry about that. We got the <laughs> sheep a doodle barking in the background. Um, I spent ten years of my career in South Texas, and uh, and there's a lot of patronage hires down there. And this is really a cultural issue down there with how those those school PD jobs uh, get assigned. They're cush jobs, and somebody's cousin gets elected as sheriff or as the uh, ISD school chief, and they hire a bunch of just mopes, guys who are not. You know, the, the resource officers in those schools, I, I could have predicted exactly what was going to happen in Uvalde because it's the same story uh, all the way down the Rio Grande Valley where I was. I mean, that is just it's it's all the constable's offices, all the sheriff's offices down there. They're elected positions. And once somebody gets elected, they backfill all those PDs with their buddies, with their friends, because they're cushy public sector jobs with a good, um, you know, a good salary, a good pension. And you're never expected to have to do much. But then that one day that you actually have to do it, you see the result, a bunch of just a bunch of idiots sitting around. And there's not a guy in, in you know, who's who served any time on the border who was surprised by that. And there's not one of us who was surprised by the Bortac guys showing up and ending it because I worked with those guys. I knew a bunch of those guys um, and they're as good as it gets. But they were stationed close to an hour away. And so it took time for them to jock up and get there and get in and do it. But the response of the Uvalde guys, that is 100 percent what I would have expected to happen if a school shooter took on a school in South Texas. And it's, it's terrible, but it's exactly how it is. And there's other cities and states where that sort of patronage system exists, but it is endemic in South Texas. So what you saw in Nashville is exactly how it should be done. It's how they train us to do it. It's how we're supposed to do it. It's how it is uh, drilled into us from the time we're at the academy. They, I mean, we trained a lot as, as feds. We train a lot on retaking an airplane if we have to. And you train with simunition rounds. So you're actually, it's, it's kind of like paintball, but it hurts worse. So you're actually, you know, fighting it out with terrorists, you know, mock terrorists in the fuselage of an airplane, learning how to retake a plane. You learn how to retake a building if you have to when there's a, uh, an active shooter. And you do it with sim rounds. So you know you're going to get shot at and you're going to get maybe even shot. Um, but you train and train and train to do that uh, exactly for that reason. That's good to know when, it, when the next trans activist hijacks an airplane. there's 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 more people armed on planes than you than you realize that that one's definitely getting edited and passed out Uh, (laughs) it's a joke there's 
there's more people there's more people armed on airplanes than you realize it, it, yeah. it you know it really would not be a good idea for for anybody to try to do anything like that but there i mean but to illustrate the point that that law enforcement is trained to act the way that you saw in nashville and if you have a school like that where the you know the the doors it's a single entry point it's exactly you know my kid's school is like this um, and, and like you said, I listened to that episode where all the parents were, were saying the same thing that, you know, Tim Miller doesn't realize. But, you, you know, you, you do that to buy time for exactly that reason. And the kids at, at my kids' school, they train. It's, it's terrible. I remember I came up, you know, uh, you know, in the 80s and 90s, and I remember training still because the Cold War was still going on. We trained duck and cover for like a Soviet, you know, nuclear missile attack. My kids today are, are training to, you know, run and hide if there's a, a school shooter. But... You know, you, you bought, it's exactly right. Your assessment is exactly right. They, they bought time. They were able to lock down. There were no kids in the hallway because they did things the right way. And the police, even at the best, like you saw in Nashville, where it was 14 minutes from the time, you know, the shooting started until the shooter was down. When seconds count, police are always minutes away. And the biggest thing that I say, and, and I think Thomas Massey was talking, you know, that idiot Jamal Bowman who was shouting over him the other day. Yeah. He was saying that in no school where police are allowed or where, where teachers are allowed to carry. And what we're talking about is probably, you know, former law enforcement officers. They have a school resource officer or they have a gym teacher who was a veteran. Those people are trained that have some tactical skill in no school ever where teachers are allowed to be armed and carry. Will you see a shooter come in and do that because they want the soft targets? So I cannot understand any argument that says don't don't lock down the schools with security. I mean, in Israel, you don't see school shootings in Israel because they have armed security guards with Uzis in those schools. I mean, it, it, it's common sense. Terrorists, mass shooters are going to go where soft targets are who are not going to fight back so they can jack up the numbers as high as they can. And every school that doesn't have this sort of security or doesn't have this sort of plan in place is a target. I just I can't understand why that's not a bipartisan issue to say, hey, we're spending trillions of dollars every year um, on God knows what on, you know, turning the frogs gay, as Alex Jones would say. But like we're, we're like we're not locking down and, and, and hardening our schools. I just it, it makes no sense to me. Uh, yeah. And I mean, and again, I mean, this this is this instance, and I don't mean to sound cold-hearted, but this instance is the one that really worries me. It's the media's treatment of the shooter and the victimization of the activist group that basically is victimizing the shooter. Um, what worries me is like what the next person thinks they can get away with, and that's you know, that's again the one where I'm just like, hold on, let's go down. Let's go down the list of political violence over the last years, and let's start with the Alexandria baseball shooting and how the media basically – they didn't endorse James Hodgkinson. Of course, Joy Reid did, um, but they didn't endorse James Hodgkinson, but they kind of just were like, eh, kind of had it coming. You're a Republican. And um, every time people talk about civil war and national divorce, I, my thoughts go back to imagine if James Hodgkinson had succeeded that day. Like, just imagine – like where where would our media be if like seven to nine Republicans were actually shot and killed on a baseball field? Well, well, there goes their majority, and they were asking for it. And I feel like that that's kind of where we're headed, and it's it's not a good place when our media basically starts uh, just going full Hamas and just going, no, nope, yep, that's where we are now, um, because again, that that leads to nowhere good, and to them, it's. 
you were passing bigoted trans laws and you're pro-gun. And so all of you people kind of deserved it. And uh, again, not, not to end this on a bad, sour note, but that's kind of where we're headed. And that's kind of kind of sums up my dour mood this week. So I'll give you a last quick word and then we'll all get out of here. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm right there with you on the same uh, on the same kind of tone this week. I just I've going coming and going from my kids' school all week, and just seeing the you know the amount of dads in the parking lot made me made me feel better. But um, the fact that we had to have that sort of response and had to have that sort of show of force made me just sick to my stomach, and and it continues to. I've been waiting all week for the you know for the president. Not that you know it matters what Joe Biden says, but you know, some some level of sympathy or, or empathy towards, you know, people who are just people of faith who are going to school, faith based education, like and just just the, the exactly how you've described it. The Hamasification of this entire thing is incredible. And, and I want to give you the uh, the the props that uh, I don't know if Ben Shapiro listens to your show or not, but um, but he he made mention of many people online are saying this is like Hamas. And I, and I thought to myself, I've only seen one person online. Uh, making that comment, and uh, and so I wanted to, I wanted to yeah. at least throw you a bone for that. So, but I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. Ben, God bless him, has a habit of doing that, and I'll leave it at that. So. Well, cheers, well, Stephen. I appreciate you. Go enjoy your uh, Friday night. Thanks, Christopher. Uh, Christopher, um, yeah, that's uh, it, it. Was been a long week, so I hope people get out there, uh, log off. Um, I, I expect to wake up tomorrow and sometime look that I am no longer verified. And that is the world that I will be living in from here on out. So whatever. Uh, let's go for it. Um, again, this is episode 94, Shooting Straight. Again, gallows humor. There you go. Um, thanks again to listeners. Thanks again to callers. Some good ones tonight. And I, I like that some people brought some levity to the to the situation. Um, as well as, you know, having to take this head on. Some of us don't have that luxury. So, again, thanks to you guys. Thanks to listeners for keeping the show up there in the rankings. Um, I, I may decide to do this tomorrow with kind of maybe earlier in the afternoon with a newer crowd because I know that I had a lot of requests to do this. So I'll see. Um, but feel free to jump in there. So, again, thanks to listeners. Thanks to callers. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Have a good night. And uh, I'll see you guys, if not tomorrow, on Substack Tuesday. Cheers.